glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Amen. Let's look, if you will, if you'll follow along in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 1. If you know about the book of Nehemiah, uh, they have now completed the building of the wall around the city of Jerusalem. They've taken account of the and they've gone over the genealogy of the people that are there in uh, chapter 7. And uh, now in chapter 8, the Bible says in verse 1, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women. And those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah and Shema and Aniah and Uriah and Hilkiah and Maaseah. And on his right hand and on his left hand, Padiah and uh, Mashael and Malchiah and Hashem and Hashbadana and Zechariah. And uh, Meshulam, I wasn't speaking in tongues. I was attempting to read the English, okay? Verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worship the Lord with their faces to the ground. You may be seated. Tonight I want to follow a word through the Scripture, a very simple word, a word that is recorded in the Bible in both the Old and New Testament. It's found 78 different times in 72 different verses. Because, as in this case in verse 6, it's used twice in a few verses, and that is the word... Amen tonight. Have you ever stopped and pondered this little word, amen? Well, one day I was reading and decided to just run a rabbit track and see uh, if I could learn some things. And I, I just want to share some of those things with you tonight about this little word, amen. Now, how many of you believe that everything that's written, as your pastor taught in Sunday school this morning, everything that's written in this Bible is given to us by inspiration of God, and was given to us. And the author of this book is the Holy Spirit of God. Holy Ghost of God is the author of this book. You say, well, I thought Moses was the author of the first five books of the Bible. No, he was the penman. But the author of this book is the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? That's important that you understand that and believe that. Now, With that in mind, we find that 78 times in the Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God said, Amen. 
Amen. Now, this message is not designed tonight to get you people to start saying amen all the time in the service. But I do want us to understand some things about the word amen. Now, let me give you just a few thoughts that I found in the scripture. Go to hold your place in Nehemiah because we will be back. Uh, but go, if you will, to Revelation chapter 5. Wants to see what kind of word is the word amen. Now, let me, let me say something else here real quick. I, I pastored in the South, uh, for many years. I still live in the South. And in the South, the word amen is said, amen. If you get in some parts of the South, it's amen. If you come up north and you get to hear anybody say amen, sometimes it's amen. And if you look at your pronunciation key in your King James Bible, you'll find that it's pronounced amen. Now, I just can't get used to saying amen. I only say ah when I go to the doctor and he says open your mouth and stick out your tongue. Uh, but So I'm going to say amen. It's not proper, uh, but I'm going to say amen. Uh, but it's, I want us to see, in, in Revelation chapter 5, for example, what kind of word is the word amen? The Bible said, and the four beasts said, amen. Now, this is a heavenly scene, amen? This is a heavenly scene, and the four beasts said, amen. And the, uh, the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Look in chapter 7 and verse 9. After this, I beheld in lo a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessed and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be under our God forever and ever. Amen. Look in chapter 19, verse 1. Look in chapter 19 and verse 1. After these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Hallelujah. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. Now I read those verses to you because every one of those verses are, are, in, are taking place in heaven. And I find, according to the word of God here, that we could say that amen is a heavenly word. Now you may, it may not, you may not, it may not be your thing to say amen uh, in a church service, but I promise you when you get to heaven, you're going to use the word amen. Because what, uh, these words are recorded and part of these words recorded are what we are going to be saying when we get there. Amen. We get around the throne of God, we're going to be saying things like, Hallelujah, praise God, Amen. How many of you believe that? Say, I just don't know if I could ever do that. You will. Don't worry, you'll have a glorified body, glorified tongue. You'll be able to do things you never imagined you could do before. It's a heavenly word. Go back to Revelation chapter 3. Not only do I find it's used in heaven... By the way, all those verses we read are future tense. From Revelation 4 on, it's future tense. Amen. Uh, but in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14, 
The Bible said, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen. Notice there the Amen is capitalized. Here this word is a proper name. And it's the name, a name, of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Amen. So not only is it a heavenly word, but it's a holy word because it's a divine name of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now let me give you this, and you don't have to turn to these, uh, but it's also a completing word or a finalizing word. You remember when Jesus gave us the model prayer? When he ended that prayer, he said, Amen. It, st- it finalized what he said. Uh, if you were to look in your New Testament, take the time to look, you'll find uh, that every book in the New Testament, except for three, ends with the word, Amen. The book of Acts, the book of James, and the book of Third John do not end with the word, Amen. But every other book in the New Testament ends with the word, Amen. In other words, the Holy Spirit of God saw fit to put the word, Amen, that finalizing word at the end of all of those books. You might also observe that the very last final word in your Bible is the word, Amen. You know, God makes it clear that he's given us a complete canon of Scripture. He warns we're not to add to it. We're not to take away from it. There are no more revelations from God that man needs to add to the Bible. God has completed his word. And when it was finished and complete, the Spirit of God said, John, write down, Amen. Finalizing word. Now, uh, the word Amen, what does it mean? Uh, There's a couple of words that help to describe the word Amen. One of them is sure, to be sure, to be firm to be trustworthy, to be faithful. When we say amen to something, or God says amen to something in the Word of God, uh, it's like He's saying, so be it. Let it be settled. Let it be trustworthy. Let it be firm. Let it be established. In other words, what's just been said is absolutely so. I knew a preacher down in Kentucky. He used to sit when we go to preacher's fellowship meetings. He sat right on the front row. And he not only sat on the front row, he sat on the edge of the seat. Always. And uh, you get somebody get to preaching and all of a sudden he'd jump up and he'd say, That's right! That's right! He'd go along. He wouldn't hear him for a while. Jump up again. That's right! You know, when we say amen, you know what we're saying? That's right. Amen. So it's a good thing to understand that when we say amen, we're saying that's right. Now, in Nehemiah's day, they heard the word of God, and they said, amen, amen. Now, let's go. I want to take this lesson from the Spirit of God, and uh, I want us to think about, you may not want to say it verbally in a service, and that's okay, but There ought to be times in our lives when we say amen, at least in our hearts and in our spirits. Amen? And I'll say it out in public. Some people just don't do that, and that's fine. But in our hearts, there ought to be times when we say 
Amen. That is right. Amen. Now I want us to look at some of those. Go, go back to Revelation chapter one a minute. Again, we want to follow what the Spirit of God's teaching us. He's, he's saying amen to some things. And, uh, these are some things I think that we could learn from that we ought to at least say amen to in our own hearts. Number one, look if you will again in Revelation chapter one, verse six and seven. I'm cutting into these verses for time's sake. And the Bible said, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Now, wait a minute. Let's back up verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. Notice, to him, to whom? To Jesus Christ, be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Notice here, the Bible is talking about giving glory to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says amen to that. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18. The Bible said, Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Amen. Jesus describing himself. Revelation chapter 3 again. And uh, Revelation 5 again. We'll look over there real quick. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11. I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. What are we finding here? We're finding the Spirit of God. When it comes to the greatness and the glorifying of the Lord Jesus Christ, they're saying, Amen. You know what? Every one of us tonight, as a born-again child of God, ought to freely say within our hearts, when it comes to the greatness and who Jesus Christ is and to His glory, we all ought to want to say amen to that. There's none like Him. He's the Savior. Amen. We ought to say amen to that. We should. Not only that, Romans chapter 11. Look over there real quick. Romans chapter 11. i got several verses, but I'll just use this one, this passage here for this one. Romans chapter 11 and verse 33. The Apostle Paul uh, writing here under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, said, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been His counselor, or who hath first given to Him, and it shall be recompensed unto Him again. For of Him, and through Him, and to Him, are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. What's going on here? Here, God is being exalted. God the Father is being exalted. God the Father is being glorified. And the, the Holy Spirit of God says, when it comes to the matter of the blessedness and the glory and the greatness of God Almighty, our hearts ought to say, Amen to that. We don't have to make apologies for our God. Amen. We don't have to to cow down to what the world thinks about our God. We ought to say in our hearts, Amen to God and, and thank God for Him. Amen. So let's, let's go on. And so we can see that uh, the Spirit of God says Amen to the glory and the, 
and the person of Jesus Christ. Says amen to the glory and the blessedness and the, and the greatness of God the Father. I want you to notice something else. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Matthew 28, 20. And we're just looking at some times when the Holy Spirit says amen. Matthew 28, verse 20. And by the way, I told you there's 78 places we're not covering all 78. Amen. You say amen right there. Amen. All right, Matthew 28 and verse 20. Notice what the Spirit of God says amen to. Matthew chapter 28. I'll get the chapter right here in a minute. Verse 19. Jesus gives the great commission here to his disciples to go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Men. There's an amen to the Great Commission. There's an amen to the matter of missions. There's the amen to getting the gospel around the world. Amen. There's the amen to, to for leaving this building and going to Bonner's Ferry and to Libby and Troy and, and sending missionaries around the world to get the gospel to people that have never heard it. And the Spirit of God says amen to that. And every child of God should be able to say to that, amen. 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 Go back to Nehemiah chapter 8 for a moment. Nehemiah chapter 8. I want you to notice here just a few short things, uh, uh, simple things. Then I want to give you three three major things I want you to think about tonight. Nehemiah chapter 8 again. Notice the people concerning the Word of God. I'll tell you what, I thoroughly enjoyed that Sunday school lesson this morning. It was wonderful, not just because my son was teaching it, but because it was teaching us about the Word of God. What a blessed, what those blessed truths that we need in our lives. But I want you to notice in verse 1, all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. I want you to notice here, the people of God requested the Word of God to be read. They requested it. They desired it. And now they've worked on that wall 52 days, day and night, and now it's all finished. And, it's, and uh, they're, now they're saying, Moses or Nehemiah we, or Ezra, we want to hear the words of the law. The first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. How many of you would say your favorite book in the Bible is Numbers? Deuteronomy, Leviticus. Now, you might like Genesis or Exodus, but those other three are kind of rough. But that's what these people are requesting. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Not only did they request it, but notice, if you will, and Ezra the priest in verse 2 brought the law before the congregation, both the men and women, and all they could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday. For the men and the women and those that could understand in the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Notice here the respect that God's people had for the word of God. Amen. Should not God's people have a tremendous respect for the word of God? That's something we ought to insist in our own lives is to make sure that we have a respect for the word of God. I've, you know what? There's church services all over this country today have no respect for the Word of God whatsoever. 
Notice something else. And the Bible said in verse 4, And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood. We're not going to go through those again. Let's go to verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. They're showing reverence, not just respect, but reverence to the Word of God. You know, this Bible is still the holy Word of God, the holy Scriptures. There ought to be a reverence for the Word of God. When we open the Word of God, we ought to set aside all distractions and listen to the Word of God. When we're in a church service, we ought to make sure that we're not only showing respect, but reverence for the Word of God. Then I want you to notice, again in verse 6, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up of their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. I find they reacted to the Word of God. Isn't that wonderful? You find here these people obviously loved the Word of God in their lives. They wanted to hear the Word of God. They wanted to know the Word of God. They wanted to understand the Word of God. And they had a desire to obey the Word of God. That should be present in our lives, shouldn't it? Now, I want you to go to Numbers chapter 5. And I'm going to read a couple of unusual texts tonight, but I hope you'll open your Bibles and follow along. Numbers chapter 5. I want to use these passages to drive home a truth tonight or something I think is very important. Three key issues in the day that we're living in that I think are affecting our churches. Three key things here. And that we're following the word amen to find them. Nehemiah chapter 5, or Nehemiah, Numbers chapter 5, beginning in verse 5, if you will. Or let's go to chapter, or verse 11. Let's go to church, verse 11. Numbers 5, verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, If any man's wife go aside and commit a trespass against him, and a man lie with her carnally, and it be hid from the eyes of her husband, and he and be clo- kept close, and she be defiled, and there be no witness against her, neither she be taken with the manner, And the spirit of jealousy come upon him, and he be jealous of his wife, and she be defiled. Or if the spirit of jealousy come upon him, and he be jealous of his wife, and she be not defiled. Then shall the man bring his wife unto the priest, and he shall bring her offering for her. The tenth part of an ephah of barley meal, he shall pour no oil upon it, nor put frankincense thereon. For it is an offering of jealousy, an offering of memorial, bringing iniquity to remembrance. And the priest shall bring her near and set her before the Lord. And the priest shall take the holy water, take holy water in an earthen vessel. And of the dust that is in the floor of the tabernacle, the priest shall take and put it into the water. And the priest shall set the woman before the Lord and uncover the woman's head and put the offering of memorial in her hands, which is the jealousy offering. And the priest shall have in his hand the bitter water that causeth the curse. And the priest shall charge her by an oath and say unto the woman, If no man have lain with thee, and if thou hast not gone aside to uncleanness with another instead of thy husband, be thou free from this bitter water that causeth the curse. But if thou hast gone aside to another instead of thy husband, and if thou be defiled and some men have lain with thee besides thine husband, then the priest shall charge the woman with an oath of cursing, And the priest shall say unto the woman, 
the Lord make thee a curse and an oath among thy people, when the Lord doth make thy thigh to rot and thy belly to swell. Aren't you glad you don't live under the dispensation of the law? And this water that causeth the curse shall go into thy bowels to make thy belly to swell and thy thigh to rot. And the woman shall say, Amen. Amen. You say, what in the world has that got to do with anything with us today? Let me just say this. I believe whatever this was, it must have worked because God designed it. Can you imagine a man having the spirit of jealousy come over him and he's jealous of his wife. She may be guilty of indiscretion. She may not be. But he is jealous. He's got that spirit of jealousy and he takes his wife to the priest and says, I don't know about this woman. I want her put to the test. And they take the dirt off the floor of the tabernacle and mix it with water. And she's supposed to drink this stuff to prove whether she's guilty or innocent. And before she drinks it, she is to say two words. Amen. Amen. How would you like to be in that position? Now you say, what is she saying amen to? Let me suggest to you tonight that what is going on here is God is getting ready to examine a life for sin and expose it if it's there. And this woman is to say, Amen, Amen, to God's right to examine her life for sin. That's pretty heavy. Does God want us, as his people tonight, to say Amen? to his right to examine our lives for sin. Everybody say amen at once if you want to. That's heavy. You know one of the major issues plaguing our local churches today is this issue right here. People say, oh, we love the word of God. We want to hear the word of God. We regard and we respect the Word of God. We reverence the Word of God, but we don't want the Word of God examining our lives for sin. You don't have a right to do that. But does God have the right to do that? If you're saved tonight, God does, because the Bible says we've been bought with a price. That price is the blood of Jesus Christ. We are not our own. And God has every right in the world to shine the spotlight of the Word of God into our hearts and our lives. i got news for you. Uh, the Word of God is much more powerful than that water and the dust off that tabernacle floor. Amen. The Word of God, not a, that water exposed whether that woman had been guilty of, of unfaithfulness to her husband. But this book right here will, un, it will expose any and every sin in our lives, no matter what it is. Look in Psalms 139 real quick, if you will. Psalms 139, you'll know this verse. These verses, in Psalms 139, verse 23. 
The psalmist said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Should that not be the heart of every child of God tonight? Lord, I want you to search me. I want you to know my heart. I want you to try me. I want you to know my thoughts. I want you to see if there be any wicked way in me. Show me. God's people in our hearts should say amen. And God says it's time for an examination. Amen? That's true. And that's one of the things we have to deal with is God's people. You know what? We were, uh, we were out visiting tonight and, and, uh, uh, Brother Jeff was talking to a man and he was, <laughs> I was watching, he was smoking a cigarette and I'm standing there thinking, Jeff, Brother Jeff is getting it down to where the rubber meets the road using God's spotlight to, un, to reveal to this man, here's what God says about sin and, and judgment and righteousness. And I'm thinking, as soon as that guy gets down to that last draw on that cigarette, he's going to quit listening. Sure enough, Jeff's getting it in and getting it in. As soon as he got down to the last one, he said, I'm going inside. That was all. You know what? You know what you had to do in order to get saved? You had to let God examine your life for sin. You had to allow him to expose the fact that we are all sinners. We're all guilty before God, and we all need forgiveness and pardon and redemption. Isn't that true? And when you got saved, you know what you were saying? Amen to God's right to examine your life. Until a person's willing to let God deal with their sin, they will not get saved. They won't do it. And that's why many people, it's hard to reach them. The, the gospels are the greatest stories that have been told. But so many people, you cannot get the chance to give them the gospel because they're not going to let God or anybody else deal with their sin issue. I got news for you. There's coming a day. You may not let a preacher deal with you. You may not let a man deal with you. You may not even let God deal with you. But there will be a day when God will deal with your sin and mine. And so I find the Spirit of God says, when it comes to God's right to examine our hearts for sin and our lives for sin... God's people ought to say amen to that. We need it. Amen. We need it. Number two, look if you will in Deuteronomy chapter 27. Deuteronomy chapter 27. Well, these are some of the verses that the people in Nehemiah's day heard and listened to. In Deuteronomy chapter 27 verse You can join in with me here in just in some key places here in a minute, okay? I want some class participation tonight. When you find the word amen as we read, you say amen, all right? Verse 14. And the Levites shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image, an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and putteth it in a secret place. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed be he that setteth light by his father or his mother. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that maketh the blind to wander out of the way. 
And all the people shall say, Cursed be he that perverteth the judgment of the stranger, fatherless and widow. And all the people shall say, Cursed be he that lieth with his father's wife, because he uncovereth his father's skirt. And all the people shall say, Cursed be he that lieth with any manner of beast. And all the people shall say, Cursed be he that lieth with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother. And all the people shall say, Cursed be he that lieth with his mother-in-law. And all the people shall say, Cursed be he that smiteth his neighbor secretly. And all the people shall say, Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person. And all the people shall say, Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. And all the people shall say, Amen. You say, what's that got to do with? You know what God's doing here? God is naming and defining sin. He's saying here is what sin is. This is sin. You make a graven image and you treat that as a God, that is sin. That's an abomination. Amen. So what you have here is God, God's view and definitions of sin. You know what? We're living in a day when everybody and their brothers got their own personal dictionary on what sin is. Isn't that true? Now, we can't expect the lost world to be any different. But I'm talking about people who claim to be the people of God. If there ought to be anybody on the planet that agrees with God's view and God's definition and God's naming of sin, it ought to be God's people. Amen. Amen. If it's a lie and God says it's a lie, the people of God ought to say that's a lie. If it's adultery, it's adultery. If it's fornication, it's fornication. If it's jealousy, it's jealousy. If it's pride, it's pride. If it's unforgiveness, it's unforgiveness. If it's whatever it is, if God says it, God's people ought to be the ones to stand up and say, Amen. We ought to say it when God says, That is sin in your life. We ought to be able to say it when it's in our children's lives. In our grandchildren's lives. One thing for me to say amen when it's your family's sin. But what about when it's mine? I know of some preachers that said amen to sin for a long time. Until their kids grew up in church and little grandbabies were there. And their kids lived in sin. And the preacher quit calling it sin anymore because he didn't want to lose the grandbabies. Amen. Listen, we've got not just the world, but we've got whole denominations today have redefined sin, renamed sin. Sodomy is no longer sin in the eyes of many denominations and religions. We know they're lost. But God help us, it's creeping in. It's creeping into our Baptist churches. Amen. We ought to say, Lord God, help me. Help me. I say I love your word. 
I reverence your word. I respect your word. I want your word. I want to obey your word. And that includes, Lord, when you say something is sin, God help me to keep a heart that says, Amen, I agree with God, even against myself. First John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sin, that's talking to Christians. If we confess our sins, thank God, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. That word confess there, the idea is that I, if I'm confessing my sin, what I am doing is I'm going over here and taking God's side against myself. I'm agreeing with God. His definition of it. His name for it. Amen. Holy Spirit of God said when it comes to God's view and God's naming and God's defining of sin, the Holy Ghost is going to say amen. That means we who have the Holy Spirit living in us, if we don't want to grieve him, if we don't want to quench him, if we don't want to resist him, we better say amen in our hearts. Amen. Let me give you one more and be finished. So, the Spirit of God says when it comes to God's right to examine sin in our lives, God's people should say, Amen. When it comes to God's view and defining of sin, God's people should say, Then notice 1 Kings chapter 1. I'm talking about some things that I believe are affecting our churches today. People bucking up and saying, You know what, now that's, that's your idea or your view of sin or your view, but this is my view. Well, listen, it doesn't matter what your view is or my view is. What does God say? In First Kings chapter 1, King David is about to pass over. He's about to die, and he is getting ready to transfer the kingdom to his son Solomon. And in 1 Kings chapter two or chapter 1 and verse 32, the Bible said, And King David said, Call me Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. And they came before the king. Now these three men had faithfully served King David. They were loyal to King David. The king also said unto them, Take with you the servants of your Lord, and cause Solomon my son to ride upon mine own mule, and bring him down to Gihon. And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him there, king over Israel, and blow ye with the trumpet, and say, God save King Solomon. Then ye shall come up after him, that he may come and sit upon my throne, for he shall be king in my stead." And I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And Benaiah the son of Jehoiada answered the king and said, Amen. The Lord God of my Lord the king say so too. Now real simply here, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, who had been a faithful servant and soldier for the Lord or for King David, King David now is transferring the authority of the kingdom to his son Solomon. And he speaks these things to Benaiah. And Benaiah, when it came to the authority that God had placed in his life, Benaiah said, Amen. 
Well, I'll tell you, this is an important lesson right here. Is to learn to say amen to the authority or authorities that God has placed in your life. It's a good day when young people can say amen to the parents God has placed in their life. Your parents are the God-given authorities in your life. Say, boy, you don't know my parents. God does. And God still said, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother. Amen. Wives, the Bible said you submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Every wife, God, every child of God, uh, every Christian woman ought to say amen to the authority of the husband that God has placed in her life. So, well, God didn't place him there. If you're married to him, he's God's choice now. You say, but you don't know what he's like. God does. God still said it. Is that right? Folks, that's Bible. That's what the Bible teaches. Boy, these men, they get off scot-free. They don't have any authorities in their life. (laughs) Number one, we have God. We have the Word of God. And by the way, God works through His Word. We have government. According to Romans 13, we're to say amen to the authority God has placed in our life. I got news for you. I'm going to have to swallow awful hard if things don't turn out the way I'd like for them to here in the next few weeks. But if I'm going to be right with God, I've got to say amen to the authority God has placed in my life. Amen? What the Bible teaches us about the boss on the job, pastor, policeman on the street, people of God, what are we supposed to do? We're to say amen to the authorities that God has placed in our lives. That's a major issue. That is a major issue. Most about, I would guess about 90% of church problems don't come from outside. They come from within when people have an authority problem. An authority with God, an authority with the pastor, and the authority of the Word of God, the or a family structure problems. Most family problems are an authority issue. Most marriage problems have to do with an authority issue. Amen. Young people, one of the biggest battles you're going to face as you get older is this thing called authority. You're going to deal with it. Let God be your final authority and then follow God's prescription. You'll be all right. You'll be all right. You see, the Holy Ghost of God wrote right after Benaiah, after Benaiah heard that news, Benaiah said, Amen. King David, I was loyal to you and you were my authority. God's changed that authority now in my life. Amen to Solomon. Amen. Tonight, I hope that your heart desire tonight is to love the Lord God with all your heart, love his word, honor his word, reverence his word. You know, we can just say I love my Bible, but there are a lot of specifics in this Bible. Amen. If we're going to love the Word, that means we've got to love the specifics. 
these three things. God's right to examine my life. God's right to name sin. And God's right to choose the authorities in my life. These are major things. God help us all to say amen to. Mm-hmm.